right, we got Mr. Scott Denisi coming on Canada's Pinball Podcast today, and we talk all about the Rick and Morty stream that you saw over the weekend. Lots of good information from Scott. But before I air that interview, ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to tell you that I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that Pinball, I don't know if you know this, but Pinball now has a fact checker in this hobby. And it's no other than Mr. Me Seeks Many. Mr. Zach Me Seeks Many is now fact checking Canada's Pinball Podcast. And he's going to let you know what we say is correct and what is wrong. So apparently we got this huge thing wrong that Medieval Madness Royal Editions aren't shipping yet. Uh-oh, only the standard editions are shipping. Cancel the show, guys. You can't listen to this anymore. I'm not doing my journalistic integrity. What else did we get wrong? Well, we said rumors, right? And when you say a rumor, there's a rumor out there in the pinball world that you heard. Let me tell you what you can't do. You can't fact check rumors. So the whole notion of fact-checking rumors is inane. Here's why. Because no manufacturer out there will confirm for you if your rumor is correct or not. Like if I reached out to American Pinball and said, is Hot Wheels your next title? What are they going to tell me? They're not gonna, Jersey Jack won't even confirm for people if Guns N' Roses is the next game from Eric, even though we all know it is. Okay, but Mr. Me Seeks Many, here's what he fact-checked also. I said there was a rumor that American Pinball might bring two games to TPF, and he's, he's on the network to tell you that that rumor is false. Yeah, so it's just going to be Hot Wheels. And guess who told the world that it was Hot Wheels? And guess who was right? Canada's Pinball podcast. Okay, the other rumor, and again, I said this was a rumor, that Mark Ritchie was working possibly on another alien game with Chicago Gaming Company. Okay, now since I reported that rumor, I've since learned new information. Should I share it with you? Or maybe I should call Mr. Me Six Many, and maybe I should get permission from the network to talk to you guys. You know what rumors they didn't talk about? The Stern rumors, which I know are pretty much 100% going to happen, which is the rerun of Metallica, the Transformers with the comic book art, and Steve Ritchie making a Led Zeppelin cornerstone game. Uh Uh-oh, can't talk about those rumors because I distribute those games and I would get in trouble with Uncle Gary. All right, so here's what I'm hearing. Mark Ritchie is, in fact, making two games. He's designed two games. And Chicago Gaming Company is most likely who is going to manufacture those games. Now, I'm here to tell you that I was told that Alien is not the game. Now, the person will not tell me what it is other than this, that Mark Ritchie is working on a licensed theme sci-fi title. So it's sci-fi related game that he will be making with Chicago Gaming Company. Now, what could it be? What could it be? I don't even, how do you even begin speculating? I mean, titles like Back to the Future are considered sci-fi. Rick and Morty is sci-fi. Total Recall, Fifth Element. I mean, uh, Star Wars is considered sci-fi. So there's almost too many. The Expanse, right? There, you could you could create a laundry list. Now, if I were to guess what sci-fi movie I think it might be that has a big pinball audience, and this is just a guess, so you can't fact-check rumor this wrong, Mr. Me Seeks Many, I would say maybe Blade Runner would be a good one. We've talked a lot about that. And people have been excited for a Blade Runner pin. So the other game that I'm hearing Mark Ritchie has, and again, rumor, but feel free to fact check me. The rumor is this. I'm hearing that he has 
Quentin Tarantino's Pulp Fiction. And we know that Pulp Fiction is a game that someone secured the license to. And I think a lot of people were speculating it would be a Stern game. Uh, and maybe, I don't, see, I don't even know. I just know Mark Ritchie could possibly be making Quentin Tarantino's Pulp Fiction. Okay? Now look, be a big boy when you want to fact check Canada's Pinball Podcast, all right? All right, everybody, enjoy this interview with Scott Denisi. I think you're going to love it. And we'll be back to see if Mark Ritchie is making a sci-fi game and a Quentin Tarantino game. You heard it here. Oh my God, the Royal Editions aren't going out for another three weeks. How can we let Canada stay on the airwaves? Come on. You know why we're number one. (laughs) (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. A man who's having quite the last few months, Mr. Scott Denisi. Scott, welcome. Hi. Hi, everybody. All right. So I'm excited because as of yesterday, it's sort of we've seen the most streaming footage of Rick and Morty. And I know you've done the podcast circuit. So I'm going to do my best to, to talk about some different angles with this game. How's that sound? Absolutely, man. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, we had the uh, we had that sort of that stream yesterday. Um, I wish I could play pinball better. Uh, after watching that again, I was like, oh, God, I'm embarrassed. Right. No, it's okay. Let, let's talk about that. So designing a game when you self-admittedly are, are like, I'm not that great at pinball. Does that, how do you, how do you know when you're designing that, that you're, you're nailing the design? Do you have other people jump on in the Whitewood stage? Um, I absolutely do. But I'll tell you what, you don't actually have to be good at pinball to know kind of what really makes a pinball good because in my term in my eyes i i have this vision of what i think makes pinball fun and um i i go with that route even though i'm not good at playing it like a tournament player would um i try to make pinball fun like in ways that i personally think it's fun so Really, I don't have to be that great at pinball. I still have fun playing Rick and Morty, even though I uh, wasn't playing well yesterday. It was still fun because sometimes you get those games, you just blow it up, you know, and it's just it's really fun. So, well, let me ask you a question. So, in terms of fun, what what are the key elements that you think make pinball fun? Uh, so for me, it's layouts, like weird layouts. So I'm a big fan of. I know this is not like you know. I've said this probably a bunch of times, but I'm a big fan of like super weird games. Uh, like, for instance, you know, like games like I don't know if you ever played Dragon Fist by Stern, a game actually, from the 80s. Yeah, I actually played it for the first time at the Tribeca Loft, Mr. Adam Schwartz. It, it was super fun, and the sound in it, it is fun. It's just it's just fun. It's weird. The shots are weird. Like it makes you do weird stuff. Like so, you know, I was trying to um, I try to like capture some of that weirdness. Uh, in what I'm working on, and I'm trying to do things. It, you know, it's it's a very tough question that you asked me there. Actually, what what does make it fun? Um, for me, like a lot of the fun stuff is uh, is taking when I'm actually engineering a, a pinball machine. I'll take parts that are standard parts off the shelf and try to use them in in weird ways, in actually fun ways um, that you know either you know have been done in the past or you know, maybe have been sort of not done in the past, but like tweak it a little bit, you know, I, but really nothing I've done has not been done in the past, you know, right. <laughs> if that makes sense. <laughs> so, 
it's just kind of all put together a different way. Right, because you, you're a big fan of, of sort of reimagining parts that you can grab off the shelf and putting it in a game in a unique way, the Denisi Lock. We, we now have 2.0 of the Denisi Lock. Do you, for your third game, is there any interest in designing a mech from the ground up that hasn't been done before? Uh, third game, I haven't even thought about anything yet. <laughs> I need, honestly, I need a vacation. Right. But yeah, right. designing designing mechs is um, is pretty fun. I dabbled in it a little bit on Rick and Morty when I was um, making pieces that did not exist before. Um, the uh, trough on the left side of the game, the secondary trough that stages a ball. And uh, it actually has multiple switch positions in it. It's basically a trough that loads from the bottom of the play field instead of the top. So okay. it is a piece that is fully custom and uh, made from. It, it's it's a one of a kind piece. Yeah, same thing with that. Uh, same thing with that captive ball as well. That wire form with the threaded pieces on it. Like it's actually threaded through the playfield and it squeezes the playfield. Um, it uh, that didn't exist anywhere either. So. Right. And you hit that, and it charges your magnetic save on the right correct yeah and it also qualifies locks so it's super important it also it does an add a ball in, in multi-ball which is cool so in the stream yesterday i was watching it that magnetic ball save seemed to work really well it it, it, it have you had a lot of feedback on the features of the game and how the shots are like what what have you received so far from people so so yeah let's let's talk about the magnet save actually because it's a really good point um so I've, I did have a few people that played the game and are like, you know, hey, the ball was screaming toward the out lane and I hit the Magna save and it didn't do anything. And I'm like, yeah, exactly. I'm like, this Magna save is a bit different than, you know, it's not a it's not a save my ball. It's actually a, a finesse thing. So like when you have the ball screaming to an out lane, you're done. Don't even bother trying to hit the Magna save. Like it's not going to grab it. But uh, but right. there is. There is a uh, a level that you can when it's when it's in the in lane out lane area or going that direction and not screaming for the out lane. You can actually hit that magna save, grab the ball, or flick it back into play. Um, yeah, I noticed that you could flick it, it back towards the right flipper. It would actually hop over the yeah, sling. Really cool. It does. And that's that's mostly what happens. Um, dropping it down the in lane is actually the scariest way to do it because if you can. If it's going slow enough and you're able to kind of pull it away from the outline and just kind of hold it and you have enough charge built up to actually grab the ball and hold it, it's really nerve-wracking to, like, know when to drop it to so it falls in the in-lane. Right. So it's, like, <laughs> it's, so, it's so scary. But it's, it's fun. And that's, to me, like, that is the style of Magnusave from games like, uh, like, like Jungle Lord, um, Black Knight. The original Black Knight was like that. Um, that just it gives you a little bit more skill into a magna save to kind of play with it a little bit, yeah, you know? Very cool. Like you see someone do something cool with the magna save. It wasn't because the computer did it. It was because the person like finessed the button correctly. You know what I mean? Right, right. So right now after the stream, I know there's a lot of conversation about the difficulty of the game and there's some shots that are harder to hit than others, but I think Hilton did a good job in debunking the left ramp being a lot harder than the right ramp. Did you see he put up, the amount of times each ramp was hit during the stream yesterday, and it was pretty 50-50. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's pretty close. Um, the left ramp is supposed to look harder than it is. Uh, it's wide open geometrically, but there are um, there are targets kind of leading up to it that make it look like it's totally obstructed. Like if you got down, like if you could take the apron off, 
get down and look at like just over the top of the right flipper into that ramp, it's freaking wide open, man. So all you really need to do is you just need to make sure that you've got, you know, you're lined up because it is steep and you can, you know, you could actually kind of like if you biff it off the side of the ramp a little bit, it could rattle a little bit and you won't be able to get all the way up. And then the the loop from the upper right flipper. How's uh, there's been a lot of talk about that shot. What's funny, Scott, is most people have not played the game, so they're mm-hmm. go, they're going off of streams. Is is that is that shot difficult? Is it meant to be difficult? That is the fucking hardest shot in the game, and it's designed that way. <laughs> it is so. It is a very difficult shot, in my opinion, because I'm not an amazing player. But like Bowen's, like, oh, it's no big deal. He's like, here, look. And I'm like, oh, well, whatever, dude. Right. <laughs> and that shot, but, what, what does that shot lead to? The shot, okay, so this is cool. So since that shot is so difficult, and I purposely made it that way, uh, and a lot of people keep telling me it's not that bad, but um, so that shot leads directly around the front of the left ramp, and then it kind of goes behind it and goes right into the garage portal. Um, so that shot is actually... 100% hittable from the right orbit because the right orbit in this game when the diverter is just relaxed it will go all the way up around and loop so it goes to the right you right, hit the right orbit it loops around the back of the game through the underside of the house and into the garage portal so there are two inserts that show portal ready uh, if you look back at that stream one of the portal ready inserts is going through the garage front the front of the garage through that upper flipper right and then the other one is going through the right orbit. And the right orbit is actually a nice, easy shot to get, you know, to go through dimensions. So, so you're not, get you're, not to go. St- you're not going to get stuck with one shot. There's two ways to no, get into no. that garage. Yeah, there's two ways to go. And, that, and I, that was done purposely so that that shot can be used for more important things like the super jackpot, right? Okay. And the super jackpot, when you're in multiball, that is the only way to get the super jackpot. And it lights with your first jackpot that you get which is like basically everything lit at the beginning hit one of those shots and then you can you can go for your super jackpot okay so it's uh yeah it it's it's meant to be more you know like so it's meant to be very hard but very like rewarding when you get it and something very like you don't need to get a super jackpot to keep progressing through the game and you don't need a super jackpot to beat the next guy you know right, right so. now as the game currently stands how many modes or adventures are programmed into the game for people getting the game this week i think like seven i think but there's there's a lot more in the pipeline um yeah i think it's seven if i'm not mistaken okay but there's like uh there's something like 15 or 17 dimensions put in already in there right now yeah in there right now what's your favorite dimension that messes with the game right now Oh, that messes with the game, or my actual my favorite dimension. Well, what, okay, because those are two different things. Well, what's your favorite, and then what, okay, we'll just do what's, what's. How about what's my favorite overall? Okay, and then what's and then we'll do what's my favorite that actually messes with the game. Perfect. All right, so uh, my favorite overall is because it's funny. Um, is uh, there's a TNA dimension in the game <laughs> <laughs> where it uh, it actually you, you go into the you you go into that dimension. And then uh, all the lights do the reactor started light show from TNA. Wow. Which is the white, is the white and red. Do the ramps not count? The ramps absolutely do not count. They're shut off. <laughs> like you hit the ramp, it does nothing. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, it plays the TNA music as well, which is pretty hilarious. 
Um, Love it. So that Can't... one's funny because that one's just that one's my favorite because it's funny and I think people will laugh when they see it. Right. Um, but uh, my favorite that actually messes with the game, uh, gosh, it's mm, the uh, ooh, the flippers get messed up on some of the dimensions, which is fun. But there are dimensions that shut things off in the playfield. So there is the uh, like it'll shut off the pop bumper, for instance. Which is and it'll play like this noise when you hit the pop bumper and it doesn't fire. Uh, and the same with like the sling or something else, you know. There was one I saw yesterday that I thought was hilarious, and it was just it was a it, it would every time you hit a switch, it would it would scream at you. Yes, yeah, that Willem scream. Yeah, I love <laughs> that. That. One's, that one's pretty great too. It's just meant to be annoying. So you're like, I got to get out of this dimension, you know. So you want to charge your portal gun back up and get the hell out of there. Well, and I'm glad you said that, Scott, because on the chat. Someone was like, I hope they code in different screams so it doesn't become annoying, but it's no, meant it's to be to. annoying. It's meant to be annoying. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 100%. I love it. Yeah. So one question I saw too, I want to just get some of the, you know, this is like the the, the new stuff since you've, you've done the rounds is the Evil Morty song, uh, the Damage Coda. Is that going to be in the game or is that out of the game right now? Right now it's pulled out of the game because i don't we don't have the rights to it yet and we're we're looking into seeing if we can get it and how much it would cost in, in doing that i thought uh I, I thought we would probably have that right off the bat well we put it in the software um because it was a pretty high uh, it was it, it was pretty i think we were gonna get it but I, i'm not sure exactly what's going on with that but it was pulled for now okay but uh i don't know I, you know what i what's really cool is uh charlie and team have been shielding me from so much of the, like the crazy license stuff that I, I cannot thank them enough because that is stress that I, I really don't need. <laughs> right. And I, I talked to Charlie about it because right now all the characters that Justin does in the show are in the game, but the other characters right now are currently not in it, correct? Yeah, that is correct. Okay. Yes. And, and he said he's working on stuff. He said they're trying to get as much as they can. You know, I'm always surprised that a guy like Justin – these, these, they all have to be buddies. Like, I'm surprised he didn't just call up these people and be like, you know, do a little. Can we do a little solid for a tiny pinball company in Benton, Wisconsin, and waive some of these fees? But I, I guess it's just the realities of SAG actors and working with that. And it, it and well, it's not. I mean, I don't. It's not the actors, which is the weird part. It's their agents. Ah. So it's like you know, I I don't really know too much about it, but like you can't just. I mean. Like if you and I were buddies in the in the acting world, I couldn't just go to you and be like, "Hey, Chris, can you do me like do this like do this one voice for me?" You're like, "Well, I can't do that voice because I really don't own that voice. You know, it's not me. It, you know, what I mean, it's not." Yeah, these agents are probably legally yeah. tied to getting a financial cut on every usage of yeah. their clientele, which is interesting. Yeah, correct. Okay. Yeah, and they're and yeah, and it's not the person; it's the voice. You know interesting it's, it's crazy yeah I, I wish i understood more about that stuff but uh holy crap it's complicated yeah i was talking to because he works on family guy i was talking to rare hero about it, and he said like seth mcfarland just didn't really care and like waived all the normal fees as long as he got two pinball machines and that's why family guy has has a bunch oh, in that's there that's awesome yeah um so scott is it just like are you relieved? I know you said you need a vacation what how do you feel that it's finally out there in the wild I am actually feeling really good about it because I worried a lot about the geometry um, just because I, uh, you know, you know, you get nervous about it. It's your baby. I've been working on it for two years now doing whitewood iterations, making sure shots are working properly, that kind of stuff. 
Um, but I've pushed the uh, I pushed the layout to the extreme pretty hard. It may not look like it, but I'm using uh, on that upper flipper those those two shots. Like so, the inner loop is off the top of the upper flipper, and that that outer loop that goes to the garage that hard shot is off like the tip of the upper flipper, right? And upper flipper shots don't usually have shots that are that far spread apart. So they're usually like right in the sweet spot where that noob, noob target is. Uh, so I was really pushing that geometry to the limit. So it took me a while to kind of get that to, to feel right and to work. Um, but that, once I got it down, I'm like, this is, this is awesome, you know, but I'm still a little worried about it because it is out of the comfort zone of normal people. Like when they play with games with upper flippers, right? Right. You know, that's, uh, that really isn't normally where you go with those shots. And I, I can't wait till, uh, till more people get to play it and they can, you know, they can relate to like what I'm actually talking about right now because it does feel like you have to train yourself and make an actual decision if to when you're that ball is going to that upper flipper. Because if you don't make a decision and you just flail at it, it's going to go right and hit that noob noob target. And that's probably not going to be worth what you're looking for. And you know? I, Scott, I think you bring up a really good point because what you've done with this design is force the player to learn to play differently with your design, which is something exactly. I think is part of your approach, right? So when you watch people walk up to it for the first time, they sort of have their ingrained uh, skill set. And, you know, they're used to fan layouts all the time. They're used to the ball going here from this flipper to that ramp. And you're sort of messing with that a little bit. Do you ever get nervous that the initial streams are, are going to show people failing a little bit more than succeeding because you've purposely designed it that way? Yeah, absolutely. I'm I am nervous about that, but at the same time, uh, I'm kind of expecting it, so it's not that big a deal. Um, when when people start playing, it only takes like one or two games to like go, oh, okay, you know, there's the shot, you know. Right. And also, how how nervous can you be? They sold out in four hours, so it's well, it's, it's, sold it's no out, longer Chris, your problem. Sold, well, Chris, it's sold <laughs> out because of the license, man. <laughs> I know. I, well. It's like that the license is crazy. So that's no big deal. Now I just want to, I mean, it's, I guess it's maybe like a, a, a reputation thing. Like I want to make sure that people are happy with what design I threw down on the table. You know, it's, uh, um, I don't want people to be unhappy. Right. You know, that I'm trying to, I, tr I tried to make a game with this that was, just outside of the box enough, but not too far outside of the box where it makes people like just like totally turned off by it. Now, Hilton's game was game number two. It's out there on location. Charlie's building around 10 a week. Is there mm -hmm. is there feedback that might come from these initial games that might change anything? Because I already saw that Hilton was like playing around with his flipper and he, he made an adjustment well, yeah on that game specifically that that was number two right the uh the right flipper was was uh was adjusted it was squeezing the bushing too hard okay so the, we had to turn the power up like because we didn't want to take the game apart once we realized what was going on so we uh we just turned the flipper power up to so the shot seemed normal okay but uh hilton had to take that back apart so he, he'll put some he'll put another gap in it or whatever he's doing there was other things too. There was the uh, the inner the inner loop, which is the upper shot off the upper flipper, the one that loops around with the spinner. Mm -hmm. That one, uh, one of the ball guides on the inside was pushed a little bit too far, so it was like making it kind of squeeze the ball and rattle a little bit. So just like that kind of little things, like you just so he just bent that one back. 
he also uh, bent one of the rails in the back and ju- adjusted it slightly so it would be a nice smooth feed to the upper flipper and stuff like that. But no, nothing, nothing crazy though. Right, and all this feedback is going back to Spooky pretty much in real time, which which is great. And so it, there, I'm game number fifty, so I think my game might be built. So I, I'm excited. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I have no idea how many they got there. I know that they were uh, they had like they were like putting them in the in the way of the the loading dock. So I don't, they might have a bunch of them there built, but I'm not exactly sure. I haven't been up there in a while. I should probably do that. Yeah, Charlie said that games were shipping as early as last Tuesday, so they're en route to people. Um, number oh, 26 awesome. is going to Jack Bar in New York City, so I'm hoping to hop on that. You know what was hard for me, Scott, and I said I wasn't going to watch a stream because I didn't want to spoil <laughs> the sense of humor and, and the jokes there, there's a lot more coming though, right? In terms of uh, yeah, like not even half of the custom callouts are in the game yet. So where I, I know coding numbers are the silliest things ever, right? They they like yep. mean absolutely nothing. But where would where would you say your imaginary number is right now in terms of the code completion? Code completion? Uh, oh man, I don't even know. Yeah, we're not doing code numbers for this game. Did you notice that? I noticed that. Yeah, Eric's just like, you know what? It's confusing. People think like if you write a 1.0 on it or if you write a 0.5, they think that means 50% done. And that's not what that means at all. <laughs> He's right. like, we're just putting dates on it. Um, as of right now, like the game is the game's pretty complete. I mean, like there's you play adventures and you go through dimensions and you have multiball and you have like a bunch of other stuff. But there's still like uh, there's a Meeseeks Mania multiball coming. Um, there is way more callouts coming. I have more music that I need to put in it. Um, there's a lot of adjustments to sound effects and stuff that I need to work on. Um, you know, obviously the light shows, there's a couple light shows that weren't kind of flowing together, uh, as nicely as I liked. Uh, so, you know, little, little stuff like that. You're known for your light shows and that, that amazing spotlight effect when you get that multi-ball going, how, how do you conceptualize lighting a game? Well, it's what I do is I look at the this. So that one was actually one of the easiest ones. Um, when I look when I when I do a light show, right? There's a video that goes along with it on the LCD. So that video existed first, and I saw the red beacons on that video, and it's like, well, red beacons just you know scan around like a you know it's like a spotlight thing, and they're looking for the guy, right? Just do a spotlight, you know? It's a it's actually a very easy animation, and I and I did. I don't know if anyone noticed or not. I was. I was trying to skim through Pinside, but uh, I did change that animation from the last time that they saw it from that last stream. Um, I added another spotlight in there, so there are two spotlights going. Very so cool. I'm just kind of playing around to see if that looked better or worse or whatever. Right. Because um, it's it's not it, it's not too difficult to just swap things out, you know. Now, who was the gentleman off camera that was giving us the rule set? and all the stuff in the game was is that is it eric am i making that up or it is eric that that was eric the whole time and he was he is the programmer so he knows uh knows exactly what's going on he knows way more than i do about it yeah how do you guys work together moving forward now is it all in his hands are you what's it like oh we all talk together we have uh we, we have like a you know a company slack thing that we go back and forth with so and uh bowen will come up with concepts eric will figure out how to make them work eric also comes up with concepts throws them by bowen i pretty much just read over everything and throw in you know stupid stuff when i can um but luckily like i'm i'm like not 
a main core person in the development of what's happening with the actual software and the rules, which is nice. Your game came out, and there, there's it's sort of been a little bit of a title fight between Stranger Things and Rick and Morty. Have have you noticed the that, that both these games sort of got announced and revealed to the world at the same time, and the vibes have been different. And I guess a question I want to ask, do you think people are softer on Spooky than they are on Stern? Uh, yeah, I do think um, I did... So I looked around a bunch, and I do think there's um, there are people on both sides just kind of like having fun poking at people. Um, but I do think it seems like people don't give Stern um, as much slack as something like Spooky because I, I don't know. I there's it's really interesting because it, went, it happened like this with TNA as well. I noticed there's a lot of people that are like, hey, you know, let's like I, when I put the software out the first time, it was really it really wasn't that fully fleshed out and people weren't instead of attacking me people were kind of helping me work through and say hey maybe we could do this or maybe this could be added to the service menu instead of like attacking you know right and i think that's just you get a smaller company there's a face that like like i'm an actual like that i'm a one person thing doing this tna thing and people know that it's you know it's me they've met me at a show or something like that you know what i mean well and, and you guys are part of the community i mean you're in the threads you're talking to people and I've always said, yeah. if, if Stern, you know, if Stern, Stern's not in the thread. Stern's not talking to people. And I think that does create a little bit of a, a distance between them and their buyer base. And I think it actually invites more vitriol because you're not slamming Brian Eddy to Brian Eddy. You're just keyboard commando complaining about something. Yeah. And he's not there. And it's always harder oh. to talk negatively in the presence of, of, of the people who are actually behind these games because they, because everyone is passionate about what they're creating. I, I don't think yeah, anyone... Absolutely there. Seven, 750. So you are now have sold over 1,200 games for Spooky Pinball, right? Yeah, that, wait, that's crazy. I never even thought about that. Hold on. That's, that. <laughs> there were like 550 TNAs, right? Yeah, it's five, 550 TNAs, yes. And then uh, plus the 750 uh, Rick and Morty's, we're looking at 1,300 games. So have you asked Chuck for a raise yet, or what's up? Um, I should ask him for a raise. That's a really good idea. Hey, Charlie, if you're listening, I know you're listening to this in the shop right now, probably with all the people. Uh, make sure to, to give me a raise next time. Yeah, that would be uh, that would be awesome. Now, you you said earlier, Scott, that <laughs> Rick and Morty. It, I, I think it was Rick and Morty. It was also I think you have a lot of fans as well. I I think people love seeing you get a theme like Rick and Morty. Moving forward, do you think this is an eye opening moment for for you for Chuck that we gotta keep hitting the kinds of themes that just would translate perfectly to pinball? Yeah, so the the thing though about Rick and Morty is I think it worked really well for Spooky just because it is kind of a niche show, you know? Like there's a lot of people in the mainstream that, you know, they I don't know if they would buy a pinball machine with Rick and Morty on it, you know what I mean? Like right. other Rick and Morty fans outside of pinball. Um but the the crossover, I think the 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 750 limit on the game is probably just under what would have actually sold if it was just op wide open, you know? Yeah, it's, it's hard to tell, right? Because... Yeah, and, but I get this feeling, though, like, if we were to, like, if it was, like, an unlimited run, I bet it would probably sell, like, 850, right? 
Wow. And it's like, I don't know. Like it, I, I don't but know. But I think there's more than a hundred people on the wait list after seeing it. But you're right because you know, it's just like Pirates of the Caribbean. Because they only made a thousand, everyone wants one now. Yeah, absolutely. If Jack said I'm making another thousand, uh, you know, how many more yeah. will they really sell? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And like with TNA, it so it was wide open, and it I I think TNA got like toward the like middle to end of that run. People were really starting to like, it was really starting to pick up. Like people were like, oh yeah, this game, it's like, it's really fun. You know, it's got crazy lights and crazy music. Um, but that, you know, it started dying down at about 550 and it capped it right there, stopped it. Right. Do you, do you want to see more TNAs ever made or are you good? I would love to see more TNAs made. That would be really cool. Um, Cause that also, uh, I'm still working on the software on that game, believe it or not. Um, I'm just, I took a little break from it just for a few months while I was really heads down with Rick and Morty. Uh, but I'm going to get back into that, do some more software, cool stuff there. I've learned a lot um, and I've refined my um, my light show stuff with Rick and Morty. I actually think the light shows are way better in Rick and Morty than they are in TNA. And I want to take what I've learned from that and come back and, and redo a few of them. Is, is there working with Spooky, uh, because they are limited by how many games they can make, you now know that they are going to make this game for around 18 months. Then Chuck mm-hmm. is on to his next game. Do you ever wish they could maybe speed up and get a little, grow a little bit so you can get back on the court with the new game? Or, or are you okay waiting that long? Because it is a long wait. It's, I'm not waiting. Like, there is no wait, actually. It takes a long time to develop a game. How long does and it take? Honestly, that's, it, took, it took me about two years to develop Rick and Morty. Okay. So, and remember, I'm doing this part-time as well. This is not my full-time job. So it's, it's something that takes me a long time. I, I would, for me, selfishly, I would want them to slow down. <laughs> like, you know, I, I don't need, like, it's, it's a lot of stress, like, working, uh, like, you work your day job, right? And then you start, you come home every single day and you're hammering away at all this other stuff and it's just it, it eats it yeah i need a need a little vacation from it you know right well i mean when you see the amount of revenue this game is making it, this could become your day job maybe one day would you like it to be uh i don't think i would want to do it as a day job unfortunately okay why is that yeah just uh first of all i really really like what i do at pinball life um and what's really interesting to me and I've I just came to this realization maybe about a year ago is that uh, what we're doing at Pinball Life when we re-engineer parts that don't exist anymore and we source different parts uh, for people from all over the place and make it nice and easy for people to get these these things to fix their machines up uh, I'm actually making more of an impact on the pinball community doing my day job than I am creating a new pinball machine as weird as it sounds, I'm not like I, I'm not really an ego-driven person at all. I mean, trust me, I like a pat on the back if I did something good, but like I really don't need it. Yeah. Um, but we're working behind the scenes as the engineer over at Pinball Life and making these really cool parts and getting getting these parts that have not existed in 30 years out to people so that they can bring back to life these games. You know, it's a, it, to me that's really rewarding. Right. No, it's great. I mean, I'm not an ego-driven person either. I never get I never No, as I as I seek my third twippy. Um, I know, yeah, you're like, "Oh jeez." Uh, no, I think no, I think that's great. You know, and and it sounds like 
you've got a great balance going. I mean, it's it's amazing to me that you're able to do both of these things and the the success of this game in four hours. I mean, did you did did you guys think it would sell out that quickly though? I mean, that was astonishing. No, I was actually being. Um, they were taking votes on how fast it would sell out because people were like, you know, how many. Well, they were saying how many would sell in the first 24 hours, and they were taking kind of bets on there. And I was uh, I was just like being an asshole, and I'm like, oh, it's going to sell all 750 in 24 hours. And then like everyone's kind of laughing at me. You know, I'm just being, you know, I was just being. Uh, right. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, I'm not really a cocky person, but like when I do it as a joke, it's pretty funny. Um, so, uh, yeah, I said 750, and they wrote that down for me, and it ended up selling out in four hours. And everyone's like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. It was a whirlwind day. I, I, it was, it was incredible to watch Pinside and the community sort of all try to come through the door immediately at I think it was nine a.m. Uh, yeah, local it was early. time. Yeah. So, was there anything you had to leave out of this game that you could talk about, or is that a secret? Um, no, actually, and it's yeah, it wouldn't be a secret either. Um, every single thing that I did. Uh, in the game, they left in there for me, uh, which is pretty ridiculous. And but the the Magna save was actually the um, was actually the thing that I put in there as like a as a thing to take out. So I I dumped the Magna save in there like last minute, just saying like okay we'll put a Magna save in it. You know it'll um, and then when Charlie yells at me about the BOM, we'll uh, I'll, I'll be like okay fine fine. You know, I'll throw like a fit for like a like a a fake a fake fit for a second, and I'll just pull the Magna save out. But, uh, you know, when we uh, when I built the white wood and put the Magna save in it and did all this other stuff and Charlie played it, he's like, oh, we can't take that out. That's way too fun. Right. I'm like, oh, crap. I'm like, so what's he going to do? Take out lighting? I'm like, no way. I'll, I will I will cry. And they ended up uh, not taking out anything. So, well, and that, it's you great. Just, well, they, would just, they just make fun of me. They just right. yell at me and get mad at me, but don't actually take anything out. Right. Well, you. you I read in an interview with you once where you were talking about getting younger people into pinball. Now, this is a contemporary theme. Do, do you want to see more pinball themes sort of go after more contemporary niche sort of geeky themes and, and sort of let some of the you know TV shows from the 60s, like who's that appealing to nowadays? Like Munsters versus Rick and Morty. Like what, what are your thoughts well, on? I'm not, I'm not sure exactly, uh, but I do think that uh, we do need a balance anyway. There are there are absolutely um, times and places for things like, you know, uh, like like rock bands from the 70s and 80s, right? Mm. There are absolutely places for things like Rick and Morty. Um, I'm surprised no one's, you know, I, I think uh, South Park's kind of kind of kind of dying now, but it was really, really hot for a long time. and it got really, really popular way after that pinball machine was made. I was surprised that no one else picked that up and like made a second version. You know what I mean? And gave it a redemption. Right. You bring up a good point because do you think once a game is made, it can't be made again or reimagined? Oh, it totally can be. No, that's a, that's a piece of history, man. That South Park game is like, that's a piece, that's a piece of history, man. Like I played the crap out of that in college. Like right. that game was that game was awesome, and uh, it has its place. But I mean, another a take on South Park again with today's technology would be really cool to me. So I heard a rumor that Adam's family was being considered to be redone. 
Wait, ah. Do you think that would work? Um, I think, well, actually, I think it would because you want to know why? Because Monster Bash did well. Medieval Madness did well as a remake. Adam's Family is rated like one of the best layouts around. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. And it's fun. An all new Adam's oh. Family game. Oh, yeah. Shit. Like, you mean like, oh, you mean like yeah, all like, new? Oh, no. I don't, I don't know if that would work. Like someone it's not saying, a relevant. It's not relevant anymore. That's the whole thing with that South Park. That's the whole thing with this with the South Park thing. I was saying is because South Park to me is sort of it's sort of like peaked already. And now it's kind of uh, you know it's kind of falling down a little bit. Right. Um, well, because when I you know, just yeah. when when I saw like Lord of the Rings, I love that game from Stern. Mm-hmm. And then if I'm Jersey Jack, it's like why not just make Lord of the Rings over again, but even better versus Hobbit. Where it's because Lord of the Rings, the original trilogy, is the timeless classic. The Hobbit's mm-hmm. not going to go down nearly. There's, with, there's got to be reasons, Chris, that you and I probably don't I understand. Know, there's probably like licensing exclusives that they probably just keep renewing every year, even it if they don't. It could be. It could hmm. be. Yeah, I'm not sure. I wish I had a good answer for that. Now, but something I, I like always, Adam's Family, though, I don't think I don't think Adam's Family the theme is relevant um, today, right. but. Uh, I mean, if they were to make that game over again as it was, that could probably work. What do you think of Stranger Things? I have not played it yet. As embarrassing as that is, I have not played it. Okay. Yeah. Well, what you, I mean, what are your just what are your observations? Looking um, at so the at first, I'm like the 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 projector. I was a little bit skeptical on um, that. That thing was. Uh, I was like, oh, you know the the way because like I like, I have a lot of friends that do a lot of. Um, do a lot of events where they do like live projection and stuff and lasers and stuff like that. And the thing that you have to think about when you're doing, when you're setting up things like that is you need to control your environment lighting and uh, for the, in order for those to work and make an impact. And I was like in a pinball machine, you really don't have environmental control over lighting because the whole ceiling of that pinball machine is glass. Right. So, like, if it's sunny, uh, like, the projector might not show as well. But I'll tell you what, people were saying, the people who have actually played that, which I ha- I have not even seen that in real life yet. I really wish I would have, but um, they're saying it that's, actually looks all right. I, I hear also positive things about it. I did go off on their UV kit extension that you have to pay another 280 bucks to unlock the UV yeah. ink. Um but that's, you know, in terms of where we are with pinball, do you hope that pinball doesn't go the way of video games and downloadable content? We hear a lot about that on Pinside. I really hope it doesn't go DLC. I really, really hope it doesn't happen. Um, I think that, um, I think that all this online stuff that the companies are working on now that they keep talking about, like Jersey Jack did an online updating thing. I think they are going to, I hope, I really hope, and I, but I do think they are just going to use it for just future updates for things. I, I really hope they're not going to charge people for like added, added other things. It makes updating the games easier. You can have leaderboards yeah. in which Absolutely. you can connect And people. they did it with Bride of Pinbot 2.0. Do you remember that? Uh, you ever seen that leaderboard? On, uh, is that the Dutch uh, Pinball extension? Yeah, the Dutch Pinball Bride of Pinbot 2.0. I think... Uh, I can dig up that link really quick. Actually, it's pretty interesting. I can you can see if anyone's playing their game right now, which is it's pretty interesting. <laughs> they should have a counter on how many people didn't get their big Lebowski's and have that that leaderboard as well. But oh, I, it, they're shipping games though. They're actually getting new games assembled, and that's good news because when people get burned, it 
the money evaporates within the hobby. And, and I think people lose interest in the hobby if they lose money on these ventures. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. So, Hey, I found that, I found that link. You want, you want me to like shout it out because it's quite interesting what you can see from people's yeah, yeah. machines. Shout it out. Um, it's the dutchpinballcom slash B O P two slash live. Okay. Is anyone if you playing type that right in? Now? Yeah, I mean, I just I just pulled it up on my screen right here as we're talking, and you can see everybody's games. You can see when they last played them, uh, and then you can you can click into their games and see who they're. You can see they're like grand champions. You can see what version of the software they're running on. You can see the settings. They've got like three ball plus one extra ball settings, uh, so that it's all fair. I can't wait to. We're all connected. Canada takes the glass off his machine. And just becomes the greatest. <laughs> I'm gonna be on every. Yeah, but board. I mean, it's like it's like an honor system. So I mean, you wouldn't run like so. So check this out. Like I've got a Golden Tee Home Edition machine at my house that actually runs on the internet. So okay. it syncs up with my Golden Tee Live account, right? Yep. And they have tournaments that they do with Golden Tee Live, but the Home Edition games are completely excluded from those tournaments because they have no control over what people are doing with these games, right? Like I could hook a, you know, I could just like hook a, a microcontroller up to that trackball thing and then right. fire the ball exactly where I want it every time, you know? Yeah, I mean, in the world of video games, people, if they can cheat, it's like, remember when people used to get joysticks that had turbo features and you're you're there yeah. trying to tap away and it, it's just an unfair advantage. Um, it is, yeah. So pinball, you know, we talk a lot about, on, on my show about, will internet impact pinball? And does connectivity is it needed other than what we just talked about can you sync up games like so for example ninja turtles is coming out and there's a rumor that it might have the ability to sync up four games together and maybe play as each turtle i don't know if that even oh i heard uh, i had a i heard a rumor that uh the the game might have something like co-op mode in it yeah i think it's co-op mode cool. yeah so you can... yeah i think that's actually more relevant like or, or better because you don't have to have four machines you know yeah i think i'm i think i just botched that i think it is the co-op mode so I don't... is it the co-op yeah so like that doesn't really require it at all it's just uh, right. that's just a code thing right um, yeah. it's but pretty cool i i think look pinball creativity scott so i, I always harp about being creative and thinking outside the box and, and and i look at a game like tna without a lot going on mechanically you mm -hmm. were able to create an atmosphere and it, an immersion into a pinball experience that i think was refreshing and unique for people would, would you agree absolutely yeah i agree that's uh I, that was kind of what i was going for with that game so as you look at the the industry do, do you think there's a lot of cookie cutterness, or would you like to see people push the creative envelope more, especially companies that have a lot more resources, a lot more people, engineers, and hundreds and hundreds of people? Do you think it's being pushed as far as it can be pushed, or you think? Well, they're they're pushing as hard as they can. I mean, look at Keith Ellen's games. He's really, really pushing Stern to do stuff that's outside of the box, and that's awesome. Yeah, right, and it's a good example. So do you think he gets more money on his bomb or he's just more creative. No, he's doing different stuff. There's no way that they're giving him more money. Like there's, they, I, there's, it's like, you know, I think like, uh, I don't know how it works over Stern, but like, I'm assuming that they say like, you know, okay, build the machine, but then like now make it fit within this bomb. Right. So it's right. like, uh, you they know, I don't know. Out. 
Maybe I don't, I'm not exactly sure, but I'll tell you what. If you look at if you look at Iron Maiden, and you pop the thing open, there's not crazy stuff going on, really. I mean, there's not a crap ton of coils everywhere. But the, but Keith used what he had in that game so well that it just it seems like there's so much more going on than there than there physically are like you know mechanisms doing stuff. Like it's great. But yeah, I think there. I think Stern is pushing the limit now. I mean, I really do. Uh, I think uh, I, I can't wait to see what Eric actually comes out with at JJP. Uh, I'm good buddies with him, but we don't ever talk about what we're working have on. Have you seen Guns N' Roses? I have not seen anything of what he's talking or what he made, and I have no idea what the theme is besides what people are telling me. It's Guns N' Roses. Come on, we all know that. Yeah, but I mean, I don't have no proof. I'm just hearing that from like third party people. So that's interesting. So you guys are buddies and you, you keep your projects completely secret. Completely secret. Yeah, that it, but it's so exciting, though, because I'm such a fan of like what he's doing. So like I get to be excited just like the pinball community gets to be excited when they see it. No, and, and they've done a good job. There's been no leaks. How did you guys keep Rick and Morty leak free? Because nobody knew other than... I think people saw that there was a, a, a licensing agreement to make a pinball machine, but nobody knew it was spooky. Nobody knew it was your next game. Well, I'll tell you what. It's because of it, – mostly it's because of that haunted house party joke. Um, right. We really – like we still to this day call it haunted house party, and like the code has haunted house party stuff written in it, like all sorts of stuff. It's, it's just crazy. Um, but I just – started making that joke of haunted house party and people were just like I, I, people just didn't care i guess to try and figure out what the heck was going on for real you know there, somewhere in the world there's a guy who loves haunted house parties he's like really disappointed right now yeah there were some disappointed people actually <laughs> it's, uh, uh, it's rick and morty is divisive because there are people out there who i didn't i've never seen a rick and morty episode scott until i heard about the game and I knew what it was. Yeah, but see, that's the whole thing. Like, that's why I don't think it would have sold more than, like, 850 games, you know? It's like, you know, people, like, know what it is or, you know, like, ah, whatever. It's, you know, it's one of those, like, South Park shows, you know? Yep. Well, and, and I think you probably got, I, I would say almost more than half the people who are buying this game, I would say, like, 75% probably started watching Rick and Morty for the first time because of the game. Man, I, I really hope that I hope it's not 75%. I hope more people were watching it before, you know, because um, it does have diehard fans. It's got a, it's got a really solid base of diehard fans. Well, and it's a good point you bring up. So do you think I'm always curious about the crossover number of, you know, Rick and Morty has 20 million people, I think, are, are watch the show. And then how many of those people are pinball buyers? It's like Hot Wheels. We, I, when I talk about that theme. Billions mm -hmm. of dollars in Hot Wheels are sold every year, but how many of the Hot Wheel buyer base or the people who still collect them as adults will buy a pinball machine that's yeah, based I'm on Yeah, I'm not it? sure. I really would love to see that. I just don't know if there's a way to get those statistics reliably. Ninja Turtles, another one, right? Do you think grown mm -hmm. men, I know we all grew up with it. Do you think it's a good yeah. theme for pinball? Uh, I think so too. I, I do think so, and I think if they can make the co-op mode thing work right and do some cool, like collaborative stuff with it, just right. like the four-player Ninja Turtles, like that thing is just super iconic as an arcade game. Right. And to this day, it's still fun. People still play that. It's just like that Simpsons arcade game too. You know, it's like 
you can have all four people playing at the same time. Well, and you know what helps Rick and Morty out is it, it has a TV show, right? That has incredible does, yeah. scenes that you can pull from. Same with Ninja Turtles. It's got the iconic theme song. It's got the cartoon you could pull from. It's, it's got source material. And I think mm-hmm, what's hard with like Hot Wheels, there, there's no show. There's no, there's nothing, there's no iconic theme song. So it, be, it gets more difficult to pull people in. And Yeah, I could see that for sure. And I could see the development process being a little more difficult without stuff, right? So like for TNA, we had to make up everything on the LCD because it, obviously total nuclear annihilation is not a thing. Right, right. You know? so, <laughs> so what's next for something you? Something in my head. Scott, what's next for you? Uh, vacation, seriously. Uh, where are you going? I need to, I'm going to take a break. I'm probably my basement and sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you, are you going to be able, knowing that the game's out there, are you going to be able to just turn it off for a few weeks and, or no, you're. Oh yeah, I could turn it off. Yeah. It's not a big deal. I mean, I do want to go back to just coming home from work and doing like a little bit of stuff here and there and then kind of relaxing and, uh, enjoying pinball again. Like I really haven't played much of my pinball machines, which is, uh, why my skills are deteriorating. Right. Um, but you know, I want to go to shows, hang out with people. What's the next no. show you're going to be at? Uh, that will be TPF. Okay. Will be the next one. Yeah. All right. Well, Scott, are you going to that one? Yeah. No, I, I, I'm, I, I'm going to Ireland for about a week right before TPF, and then there's the Deep Root uh, reveal. Oh yeah, Deep Root's doing a thing at TPF, aren't they? Well, they're doing the reveal at Deep Root on the Wednesday. And then there's also a VIP room at TPF. It's going to, this is going to be, I think one of the best TPFs to go to because I just, but I don't know if Eric's going to bring his new game, but that's coming. It has to be between then and MGC. So this spring is going to be an amazing time to see what's coming in the pipeline for all these companies. Absolutely. And you guys are like, see, what I love about you guys are like, it's like smooth sailing now. It's like you, you just get to make a game now for eighteen months and put your feet up. And but I think for you, Scott, it sounds like you really want this game to go down as a favorite for people, and you want to make something that is more than just a sellout, but an incredible experience that people won't forget. Yeah, exactly. And the same with TNA too. I'm just trying to make sure that the people because people so like look at it this way right so people put a lot of trust in myself and spooky buying these games right because spooky is a boutique company they don't make very many games like not like stern does um i had never designed a pinball machine from scratch before before tna right so Mm -hmm. when people bought tna they put a ton of trust in it that i would you know deliver something fun for them Right. And that the game would be fun. And for me, I want to keep making sure people are happy. So there's things on TNA I still need to fix and little things I wanted to add that I just hadn't had time yet. Uh, but I, that whole mentality is still carrying over to Rick and Morty. Um, this team is super passionate about making a game that they want people to be extremely happy with because of the trust that was put in when they purchased it. And I think that helps in the future. Like if uh, if we say, like, you know, here's Spooky's next game, if the the people, like, you know, if we show that, you know, um, we can actually follow through with stuff and make sure people are happy and that kind of junk, I think that goes a long way for a small company, you know? Absolutely, absolutely. Final, final thought. 
Is there a dream theme or is, it, is that you just get that question all the time? Is, is there something that you would love to make that if money were no object, you would you would make that theme? I would love to see Back to the Future. Yeah, what, but, what, what's up with Is it Spielberg yeah, that what, just makes it what impossible? What is up with that? Exactly what is up with that. I have no idea. I have no idea why someone didn't grab that. Yeah. Stern needs to grab that or something. Who and made the original Back to the Future? It was Data East. Okay, which was which is Stern. Yeah, so Stern should grab it and do a reboot. Yeah, if, <laughs> if anyone can get it, it's it's Joe Kamikow because I, I feel like he knows everyone. And Joe, he, yeah, Joe knows everybody. Joe could totally get that. He got the Beatles, man. Yeah, they're not. I heard there's still like 800 Beatles games that haven't been made yet. They they only made half of them. No, I don't, I don't even know. They overpriced it. But I, I could imagine I, I could imagine that that was a very hard license to get. Right. Or at least expensive or something. I don't know. Yeah, no, it's it, it, it wasn't cheap, but I think they 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 priced it a little too high, but but you know, yeah. we'll see. Well, Scott, thank you so much for coming on. I'm excited to Absolutely. get your game. As you know, it will be the only game inside Canada's bedroom arcade. It will be my only pinball machine. I, I'm waiting for it. That's and crazy. I look, I look, yeah, I look forward to playing it. I'm, I hope, hopefully, we'll have it in a couple weeks. Um, but again, I want to say congratulations. It's, it was amazing to see your game sell out in, in record time. And I think this game is going to be a lot of fun for a lot of people. So, congratulations. I, I think it's, it's a victory lap time for you. Yeah. Thank you so much, man. I really appreciate that. Awesome. All right, brother. We'll talk soon. All right. Thank you. Yeah. Talk soon.